Today's word comes from Luke chapter 1, verses 57 to 66. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he had asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately, his mouth was opened, and his tongue loose, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. This is the word of God. It's always a little hard to come come after that, guys. Uh, when you guys are all going, woo, I was thinking, like, I don't generally hear anyone go, woo, Susan, preach it, man. Um, okay, I wasn't asking for that, but, but thanks. <laughs> um, you know, uh, since our children are going to be, um, are, you know, really featured today, I wanted to give a message about children. And, of course, just because the kids are going to be up here, I can't just get up here and talk about kids. It's in the text. Did you know um, all the Advent texts, at least in Matthew chapter 1 and 2, and Luke chapter 1 and 2, it's about kids. Um, it is not a coincidence that Christmas is great for kids. It is not a coincidence um, that every year children get featured and that churches all around the world, we take special offerings, we do things that are good for children, especially poor children, because it's in the Bible. And um, I wanted to give a message that focuses on that today. Now, there's no part one, two, and three. I got to be tighter in time today. We're just going to go straight into the text. And today's message is called Advent and Valuing Children. So let's just start right here. I, I, just for the sake of time, I didn't have the whole passage read. If you don't know the story of the birth of John the Baptist, um, that's what we're, you know, that's 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 what the passage is about. And you know, Advent is about coming. That's what it means. It's about the coming of the Son of God to be born as the person we all know as Jesus. But the passages that lead up to that, where the Bible. It doesn't like you open up the, the Gospel of Luke and immediately it's, it's starting to talk about Jesus. It actually doesn't. Actually, the story starts talking about a different birth. And it's about a couple. And so um, I'll just, uh, you know, I was thinking, you know, should I read this? And, um, you know, I, I, what I'll do is I'm just going to just try to tell you the background story and I'll just read a portion of it, okay? So you get to Luke chapter 1, verse 5. And it tells you about a couple, and the couple, their name is Zechariah and Elizabeth, okay? And this name, Elizabeth, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a very famous name. It's, it's, it's going to be a popular name until Jesus returns. 
we named our own daughter Elizabeth, and it's after this woman. And the story goes something like this. Zechariah, he's a priest, and he works in the temple. He's not, you know, he's not a famous priest. He's not, he doesn't have some grand position. Um, he, he's, a, he's a fairly, you know, low-level guy. <laughs> and, um, and he has his job, and the story takes place on the Sabbath day when he's ser you know, serving in the temple. And it tells you something, there's a detail here. It says about this couple, it says, they had no child, this is verse 7 of chapter 1, they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. So the, the story that you all know of about as we get to Advent and as we get to Christmas, it all comes from Matthew chapter 1 and 2 and Luke chapter 1 and 2. But if you go actually go into Luke chapter 1, this is how the story starts. It's about an old couple, and it's about their sadness that they can't have children. That's how it starts. Um, and I want to just say this. I, I preached about this years ago. Um, every year when I get to this, and I always read this passage. I, I read these passages every year. And um, I've been a pastor for many, many years. And one of the things I found is that um, some women, they find that they can't have children. And some couples, they, cannot, they find that they have a difficult time having children. And you know, one of the things I've found over the years, it's extremely painful. It's extremely painful. But you know what this passage is saying? God loves you if you are such a couple one of the things I just want to say, not because I'm any good as a pastor, it's in the Bible. <laughs> it's in the Bible. God sees you, and he loves you. And he very, very much agrees with you. He agrees that you want to have children. Right? And he knows that the children are so precious. And so I just want to say this, you know, um, it's, it's strange, you know, like people don't think about this. Um, couples that go through this piece of pain, they usually suffer on their own, right? Um, it's extremely intimate and private, and nobody wants to talk about it. But actually, um, miscarriage is common, and not being able to have children is common. And one of the things I just want to say, Revive Church, Let's be God's family. This isn't the Bible. <laughs> and if you are suffering this and you want to have children and it hurts because God has not given this blessing to you or you have suffered loss through miscarriage, I want to urge you, um, I want to urge you, don't suffer by yourself. <laughs> That's the first thing I want to say. And if you have experienced this, my wife and I, we, we've, had, we've had a miscarriage too, right? If you have experienced this, please share about it so that we can mourn together and God can sh shower his love and his comfort together. You hearing me, church? This is part of the Advent story, okay? Um, so they're old and they can't have children. And then while Zechariah is about to do his job in the temple, 
he gets um, visited by an angel. And the angel says to him, you're going to have a kid. So this is what this says. Um, this is verse 12, chapter 1. Zechariah is troubled when he saw him. I think you'd be troubled. Let's just say he was probably scared out of his mind. <laughs> like, whoa, whoa, whoa. The Bible has this way of being a little uh, understated. He was troubled. And fear fell upon him. Verse 13. The angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness. That's really, really understated. For many, many years, you have had heartache and pain and disappointment. And people have looked upon you. This is a very socially conservative culture. Children and families, everything in this culture. And so people look upon them with pity and sometimes say stuff about, you know, oh, that, that's the couple they got. Oh, just feel so sorry for them. They don't have kids. And now the message is you have joy and gladness. Incredible. And many will rejoice at his birth. This isn't going to just be any kid. There's going to be something tremendously special about this child. For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And there is, a, I won't go over this, but when Mary, uh, pregnant with the Son of God, comes and visits, they're, they're distant relatives. Um, Elizabeth is a distant cousin to her. She comes and visits this old woman who's pregnant. Um, the, the baby leaps in, you know, in her womb, recognizing there's something, a very, very special person has just stepped into the house. Right? Verse 16. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. Elijah is the quintessential ultimate prophet. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. I want you to hear that. To turn the hearts of the father to the children. And the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. That's the prophecy. I'll just say a little something about that in just a moment. What happens then is um, Zechariah goes, well, how do I know this is going to actually happen? And the angel says, um, well, um, I am Gabriel. He's one of the high archangels, and so I'm kind of somebody important. And you apparently didn't believe what I just told you, so here's how you know how you're going to know this is actually going to happen, you won't be able to talk until the baby's born. <laughs> so then, you know, the angel leaves, and Zechariah is supposed to show up and do his part in the worship service, but the, he can't talk. Can you just imagine, like, if I just came, I'm supposed to come up and preach, or Pastor Young's supposed to come up and lead the service, and he's like, ah, <laughs> just, and that's what happened. And so then, you know, his wife gets pregnant, and then you read, read that following portion. She's, you know, the baby's born, and they're saying, okay, what are you going to name this child? And normally you'd name the child, you know, after his father. And then uh, mom goes, no, 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 no. You have to name him John. 
And so then they're like, what? <laughs> What's with this John name, right? And then they go, okay, okay, come on, dad. You know, like miracle dad, <laughs> super blessed dad. What's the child's name going to be? And then he scribbles it because he can't talk. And then he says, the kid's going to be named John. And then he can talk. <laughs> then they rejoice. And then everybody else gets totally <laughs> nervous. They get really frightened. And this is the verse that I want to leave with you here. A special verse. It says, um, verse 66, And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, this is what people were thinking. Right? What then will this child be? What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord is with him. I, wanna, I want you to think about that. This baby has been in this womb of this um, couple that were, were old. Nobody ever thought they'd have a kid. And then there's this prophecy. It says here that he will go before him, he says that's before the Messiah, in the spirit and power of Elijah. And this is what's going to happen through John. He's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. He's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. And I want to I start right here about this, okay? Um, all these Advent passages about Christmas, they often talk about how the world is in tremendous darkness. And there's going to be a coming of a child. And this child is going to sh sh shine a light into the world, and John's not that child. John is the one who's going to preach and make way for the Christ child, for the Messiah, the one who's going to shine light into a dark world. And one of the pieces of darkness that I want to talk about is right here, is turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. I want to just start right there, okay? Um, this is a theme I said to you this theme about how God finds children tremendously precious. It's in, it's in all the Christmas passages. Matthew chapter 1. You know how it starts? This is the first book of the New Testament. It starts off with a series of genealogies about dads. The guy was the father of this, was the father of this guy, the father of this guy. And you know what? All those people ultimately lead up to the promise of the prophecy of the lineage which finally leads to Jesus. If all those dads were not faithful to their sons and the gospel is passed down, the promises that will ultimately be fulfilled through the gospel of the Messiah, then that's the first drama right there. How will dads be to their children? That's the first drama right there. You get the latter portion of Matthew chapter 1. That's a story that you all know. Mary is pregnant. Well, they are engaged. And Joseph gets a dream. So this is interesting. Joseph gets dreams and he believes the angel. The angel shows up to Zechariah to his face and he doesn't believe it. Which is why he says, okay, then you don't get to talk for the next nine months. Right? But Joseph believes it. 
and says, that baby is the Messiah. She didn't cheat on you. And he takes all the gossip and all the ways that people would insult him and humiliate him, and he is faithful. You get to Matthew chapter 2 is the story that I talked about a couple weeks ago. It's a horrible story. The powerful in the world, the powerful in the world says, okay, this baby is a threat to me. So, okay, I want you to go into that town and murder all the male children. It's about children. And I want to just start right here. This theme that the fathers are turned to their children. The fathers are turned to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. The wisdom of the just. You know what Advent, as we lead to Christmas is? There's a tremendous theme. Will, how will fathers look to their children? How will adults look at children? A couple of years ago, um, we had an, a very important series in this church. It happened right in the middle of the pandemic. It was a really hard series. And I taught that there's a very repeated theme in the Bible, that genuine biblical justice is that God wants, God wants the care of the fatherless. And that if we as a society will just run over the children who are fatherless, that will enrage God and he will burn us down. <laughs> It's so really not a fun message to get up and preach to my church, especially in this time. That's real justice, not some political jingle. Justice, justice, and then you, know, you, you vote on one side of the political aisle, and then now we're part of the just. That's not real justice. There's three categories of people that God really cares about. The fatherless, the widow, and then what the Bible calls the sojourner, uh, uh, especially those who are minorities who are excluded and then exploited. You know why God cares about that? Because all throughout history, fathers do not turn to their children. All throughout cultures all around the world, regularly men impregnate women and children are thrown away. We have it in our culture through abortion. And in all around the world, you know, they don't even have medical technologies to kill the kids before they're born. So then what's common all around the world is infanticide. <laughs> infanticide. And then if the children are going to be born, another thing that's common all around the world and throughout history is the selling of children. <laughs> is the selling of children. Um, I don't know, it's a pretty heavy thing to talk about. <laughs> Do you know that our government, this is the U.S. government, has task forces specifically to try to stop, um, to stop the trafficking of children? Do you know that? And often, there's the trafficking of children all around the world, and you know it, and you might have heard of it. It's called the sex slave trade. And you know who is traded in the sex slave trade? Fatherless children of minorities and of children who have been thrown away. Um, one of our missionaries, one of our missionaries um, serves in Thailand. And I don't know if you know this, but Bangkok, Thailand, that is a, a place where p 
people all around the world show up so that basically they, they can have sex. And there's tremendous prostitution in that town, right, in that city. It's like a world-famous city for prostitution. So all throughout Thailand, when poor people have children, they feel like we can't take care of this child. Um, it is not uncommon. This is what I've learned from our missionary. It is not uncommon that people who do not know Jesus may say, well, we can't take care of this child, and we got two already or three already. We just had another baby, and um, we will sell this next one off so we can feed the ones we already have. That's normal. It's today, all around the world. One of the first things I want to say to you is Christmas is a no way to that. No way. We have, this, we have this thing in the West, Christmas is just a beautiful holiday. It's such a beautiful holiday that all these other countries, as they especially start to, um, as they especially start to get richer, as they develop, they go, you know what? Christmas works great in America. It works great in the West. And it really helps run the economy. And so let's do that too. So all these non-Christian people around the world are starting to celebrate Christmas. It's actually really, really good. Even if they don't believe in Jesus or don't listen to Jesus, you know one of the things that they're going to pick up? This signal that Christmas is tremendously good for children. We have this uh, secular mythology called Santa. <laughs> called Santa. And let me just kind of peel that secular, the secular layer away. It's deeply Christian. If you don't know anything about Jesus or the Bible, of course you heard about Santa. But maybe, especially today in this generation, people don't actually know that the Santa mythology is actually based on a real person. It's a real person named Nicholas. And, you know, he decided that at Christmas... Fatherless children, defenseless children, unwanted and thrown away children, they should be given gifts. Because the father of the fatherless, God, he who demands justice from his people, he demands that his people would love the fatherless children, gave for the whole world his own son, so that people around the whole world who don't know that God is to be their father would have a pathway so that we would become his children. That's what Christmas is really about. And so I don't exactly know how Nicholas started to do this, but he rallied a vision so that the kids who are thrown away and who nobody loves would be loved at Christmas. And, of course, he probably would be shocked. <laughs> He's probably in heaven today going, I can't believe I'm Santa. <laughs> right? And the people use this to make crazy amounts of money. And there's this dude in a crazy white, you know, red suit in some mall giving toys to kids based on the fact that I believed in the gospel and I wanted what is taught in the Bible to be real. <laughs> See? 
It is not a coincidence that Christmas is tremendously important for children. When, uh, when I was younger, um, I found out that in Korea they have, um, you know, they have this holiday called Children's Day. <laughs> they have this holiday called Children's Day. And um, I asked my dad, I said, we don't have Children's Day. We got a you got Mother's Day here and a Father's Day here, but we got no Children's Day here in America. And my dad looked at me and says, why do we need Children's Day in America? There's Christmas. <laughs> That's what he said. And I was like, absolutely. <laughs> and every child, I mean, I mean, probably Pastor Young always talks about how Christmas is his favorite holiday. You know why it's so many people's favorite holiday? Because when they were young, they were loved. <laughs> you hear the kids up here? And don't forget the presents. And don't forget the presents. <laughs> and don't forget the presents. And there's that verse, you know, do you please bless all the dear children and fit us for heaven to live with thee there. That's Christmas. It's not the only thing about Christmas. It's absolutely about Christmas. I just want to say a couple things about our culture right now. It's getting dark. And I want you to just have your eyes out for this. When a culture starts to lose Christianity, the influence of Christianity, and the genuine meaning of, of the story of Christmas and the gospel, our culture, it's not, I mean, I hope, it's not, it's not um, I'm not saying anything controversial as I say this to you, am I? I don't think our culture is just post-Christian. It's becoming increasingly anti-Christian. And when a culture starts to think about Christianity and just goes, ah, oh, that's bad. <laughs> Church is stupid. It's bad. It's, it's, it's funny to me that do they know they're dumping on Christmas? And do they know that what's all the important and beautiful things inside of Christmas they're throwing away? And one of the things that our culture is going to throw away is the protecting and cherishing real justice, the caring of children. And when I look at our culture, it's well underway. Oh, it's well underway. Do you think our schools are doing well for our children? Okay, I know this might not be a, a popular thing to say. I, I don't want to say, I don't want to sound political. In the pandemic, fearful adults chose what they thought was good for them. And millions of children, especially poor children, they paid. And for the next decades, we're going to find out how many kids got really robbed and ruined over two years of school. That's just one example. There's so many. I just look all around. Our culture is increasingly anti-child. Our culture is always talking some talk about, this is justice, this is so great. And then they turn on whatever they implement is horrible for young people. I see this left and right. You know, um, the sexual ethics in our culture is completely awful. And people are fighting about this, you know, like, but let me just say something just so unbelievably basic. It's so basic to me that, like, it's crazy to me that people can't see it. 
but it feels like in our culture, we're, it's becoming so dark they can't see it. If you just say everybody can sleep around outside of marriage without any kind of commitment, you know what? You know who pays? The kids pay. <laughs> the kids pay. They pay when there's no dad because mom and dad never got married. Mom and dad never had any commitment to each other, so then, of course, they have no commitment to the kids. They pay when mom and dad break up. They pay when there is just no family and there is no marriage. And there's other crazy ways that they pay. Young people today are so anxious. So when I was a kid, this was what I knew was going to happen. I was going to go to school. <laughs> I was going to find a really pretty girl to be my girlfriend, <laughs> hopefully at least by high school. Okay? That didn't happen. That was, that was tough. Okay? <laughs> no girl liked me enough to be my girlfriend in high school, right? And then, um, and then I was going to go to college, and I was going to get a good job, and I was going to become a good man, really a good man. And some beautiful young woman is going to want to be my wife. And then we're going to get married, and then we're going to have beautiful babies, and we will sacrifice and work really hard so they can grow up to become good men and women and contribute into our culture with all their gifts and all their wonders, just like what you guys just saw up here today. So I knew that was my future. But do you know that kids all around our city, they don't know that that's their future? They don't know that. They're not sure if they should try to find a girlfriend or a boyfriend. They're not even sure if they're a girl or a boy. They don't have a dream for marriage. They don't have a dream to have children. They don't know how to have, how to have commitment. They don't know the, the ethics and the character building to have that commitment. And they're really lost when they get to their 20s and their 30s. Sometimes, sometimes they finally make it to a wedding. I've been to weddings where they're very secular by millennials, and, they, and, the, and the young people are so happy for their friend who just got married. And I used to go, okay, well, of course, weddings are happy. And then I realized for them, it was such a difficult achievement to find someone that you feel like you can get married because they don't actually have the hope that that might even happen to them. And when I realized that that was common among the millennials, that, that hurt. This is the darkness we're living in. And so revive church. Let's not be afraid. Let's receive all the good things from the gospel and for Christmas. And I want to say this to you. you we love our kids, okay? But you know, we can't just love our kids. We have to love our kids. The friends of our kids. <laughs> when you look at your neighbor's kids, when you look at the kids who are your, your children's classmates, would you please look at them and think about this passage? <laughs> would you think that they are going to get become really anxious? That they are going to become really nervous? That they might become depressed? That maybe some of these kids have suicidal thoughts in their head when they get to 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. You meet, a, you meet a, a person and you don't know 
and you're thinking, look, she just seems like a normal girl, but you don't know if she's cutting. It's common. This is a city we live in and the time we live in. And we want to share with our neighbors, this is what's in the Bible. This is our God. <laughs> this is what real justice does. And children will be born. We want all our children to be John the Baptist. All our children to look, say, point toward Jesus and then say, yes, real justice. And we want them to grow up and have their fathers turn to their children with tremendous love and sacrifice. Yes? Yes. I want to close um, by giving you a piece of the gospel this way. How's that? I know it's a heavy sermon, but we're living in a really, gosh, it's such, it's a, it's such I just see this hard time. I regularly, all, every week, things I read, kids I meet, I just feel stabbed to my heart when I see how young people are struggling so hard today. Right? And it must not be this way. It must not be this way. We have the gift of the gospel. We have the gift of Christmas. And we have a family of God to offer hurting, lost, anxious young people, lonely, despairing young people, something better. Let's offer them something better. I want to close by giving you this verse. It's famous. Um, when I was meditating on this, I just could not help it. This is like ringing in my ear. This is from Jesus, okay? This is Mark chapter, Mark chapter 10, I believe. And they were bringing children to him, that's Jesus, that he might touch them and the disciples rebuke them. So it's normal. Kids, they're not that important. Get, get them out of here. Even the disciples think that, all right? In the, in the Gospel of Luke version, it actually specifically says some of the kids were babies. They're bringing babies for Jesus to touch. And the disciples are like, now get these kids out of here. Get these babies out of here. And Jesus goes, what? Stop it. Verse 14. When Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Here's the way I want to close this message. For to such belong the kingdom of God, like a child. That's the words of Jesus. If you will not receive the kingdom of God like a child, you can't enter into it. And here is the way I want to close. Here's what, here's what the story of Christmas is. I want you to think about this. God creates the world. He sees all things. The future is not future to him. It's like he just sees it right there. So he knows that when he creates the world, this is where it's going. And when he creates the world, it's going to fall, and there would be wretched injustice and evils, which are utterly normal, which will enrage him and cause him to bring forth his wrath out of genuine justice. 
But the way he will bring forth true justice is he turns to his son and says, hey, son, you are almighty God. <laughs> you are fully God like me. Why don't you become fully human, which means you will be a child. <laughs> you will be weak. You will be dependent. You will be needy. And everything of all these small people, seemingly small people, you will be a child like them. And the son said, yes. And I told you last week, it wasn't a 30-year stint. He would be human forever. So here's why I want to close this message. God made lots of children. And in the world, regularly, children are thrown away and overlooked. And even we adults, when they're not that cute anymore, <laughs> we, don't, uh, we, don't, you know, we don't deem them very um, valuable. Pastor Young was saying, hey, you're not that cute anymore. <laughs> but he said, but God sees you. I didn't, by the way, I didn't make him say that. I was like, well, that's a real good leader into what I'm going to say at the end of the sermon. Here's one of the message. God sent his son, whom he has loved from all eternity and will love for all eternity, so that he would go into the world and even be a child. So all those who are weak children in the world could be raised up to become like the Son of God, to become children of God. He'll be utterly loved by the Father, never to be fatherless forever and ever. Revived church, people of God, I want you to always think of yourself this way. Pastor Young said, you might be getting old, your hair is getting a little gray, you're getting a little flappy down here, and you don't think of yourself like a kid anymore. But before God, you're always his kid. And the only way you will ever be able to receive him is because you're never going to show up. You're like, I'm smart. I have, I'm, I have a good job. And look at my resume and see how righteous. Nobody is saved because how righteous you are, how smart you are, how worthy you are. That's how things work in the world. And in the world, if you don't, you're not useful to anyone in the world, you are thrown away. <laughs> but to God, you're his kid. And if you have no, quote, use, you are beloved. You have infinite worth. And now, what it means to be human, even as a child, is now united to the Christ child to the everlasting, infinitely loved Son of God so that you and I will be infinitely and everlastingly valued. That's the story of Christmas. Would you see yourself that way? And then will you begin to look around and see all the other people that way? <laughs> First, look at the little ones, especially the ones that the world doesn't esteem. And then look at some older people. They're no longer children, but they need to be children again. 
children before a God who would love them and give him the Christ, give them the Christ child who would fit them for heaven to live with him there forever and ever. Let's pray.